Welcome to the Two Putt Podcast. Two Putt for Par. Iowa's number one golf podcast. Yeah, but three putt is Snakesville. One part golf. Basically, it comes down to the fact that golf is hard. And one part business. But if it makes money, it makes sense. Mixing business with pleasure, these guys know how to have fun. This is the Two Putt Podcast. That's what we do. All right, welcome back, two putters, to another episode of the Two Putt Podcast, Iowa's number one golf podcast. Uh, we have the boys in the house with us again tonight, Lee, Jason. What's up, guys? How we doing? I think I'm doing better than Jason right now. Um, he's in pure scramble mode for this podcast, but that doesn't mean he's not going to give us some good stuff here. But yeah, I would say, uh, Jason, do you have a, a stressful day today, or, or how's everything going? Well, I've been, uh, let's just say I'm sitting by a pool in a hotel on my phone getting ready to, or doing this podcast. So it's been a little bit of a hectic day, but moving out of our current house, moving into a new house, we uh, don't get to move in until 8.30 tomorrow morning. So uh, we're, we're slumming it in the hotel tonight. And I obviously wanted to jump on here because I wanted to hash things out about Operation Falcon. I uh, got a big podcast tonight and want to want to get some things straight here about how poorly I played and how bad Lee played too. So I uh, looking forward to this episode and I know that uh, we got a good guest on here too is tonight a, a guy that played in Operation Falcon has been a longtime member of Operation Falcon a guy that brings it every year at Operation Falcon. He had the duty of cleaning our clothes this year in the night between and so uh, this year's guest is, or th- tonight's guest is a guy that I uh, is an avid listener of the pod. So we'd like to welcome Nate Carlson to to the house tonight. Hey, what's up, boys? How you guys doing? Hey, we're excited to have you on, man. I know uh, it's something that you've been talking with the guys a little bit about leading up to, and so uh, it only seemed fitting to get you on here to, to review last week a little bit. Yeah, poor Jason Lee has taken a lot of crap from me for, for not uh, getting me on the pod yet. So uh, tonight's the night, and we'll get it done. I'm looking forward to a good time. Well, perfect, and we'll get into we'll get into this past week here in just a little bit, and talk uh, see how things went in Iowa City. But before we do that, obviously, you're listeners, so you kind of know we have to set the scene a little bit for everybody. Um, hit you with some quick hitters here, quick. First of all, um, big one that's uh, tied to the pod is where does the golf club go when you putt? It's kind of funny. It, it depends, right? So, so if I hit it on, I get to drive up to the green. I'll take the glove off and just throw it in the cart somewhere. Uh, but if I have to, you know, go out chip carry my putter with me i'll just throw it on the green with my uh with my wedge or my 56 whatever i use to get to the green i'll just throw it on on there so it never goes the same place kind of depends on where where i hit the ball like it that's a new one new one on the pod for us so it's good um what about hat you wear a hat when you play yeah yeah every single time always wear a hat when i play uh now which hat i wear depends on temperature you know if it's 95 plus i've got this hat i don't mind sweating in but you know, if it's going to be 85 or lower, I've got a couple of nice hats I like to bring out, you know, bring out the master's hat, keep that nice and fresh and uh, a couple other hats, you know, when it's a little cooler out. Yeah. I guess I can see you rocking a good bucket hat every once in a while too. You can pull that off. Oh yeah. I've got the Cubs bucket hat. I had it out this weekend, had it out this weekend to Falcon, you know, when the sun gets out and, you know, I'm getting up in that age, I've got to start worrying about the sun a little bit. So yeah, I've got the bucket hat rocking. Good, good. Uh, what's the wedge setup currently in your bag? Uh, 56 degrees, kind of the only wedge I come around. I kind of have the theory of let's just get good with that one club and know how we hit it. Uh, a little spin milled, uh, a little F grind, uh, from the stylus. Nice. Just one. So, so do you go, so pitching 56 and that's it or what? Uh, I got a gap wedge in between there, but okay. it came with the set. So yeah, just straight to the, so it goes gap wedge to the 56. Gotcha. Um, favorite nickname in golf. Uh, this is funny. So it, it's not a pro nickname, but uh, all the old guys that my dad plays with, they call him Dottie, as in Dottie Pepper, because he's always got to comment on somebody's chip or comment on somebody's putt or what club they should use. And so, you know, when the old guys get frustrated with my dad running his mouth on how their golf game should go, they tell him to shut up Dottie. So that kind of gives me a little chuckle when I play with my dad. That's good. Awesome. Um, favorite golf course in Iowa? You know, uh, you guys know JD, our, my, my buddy, our buddy, JD. And uh, after our freshman year at Warburg, he started working at Spirit Hollow. He's from Burlington. And I live close enough to him that, you know, 
I could get down there in, you know, half an hour. And so from the time JD started working as a bag boy at Spirit Hollow, we just played every summer. You know, we'd go home and play, you know, seven, eight times. And so I feel like I've kind of grown up on that course a little bit, you know, as my golf game's grown up. And so Spirit Hollow is probably number one. Love Beaver Hills. Worked out there for a summer with Josh. Uh, Josh Peterson, superintendent of Beaver Hills, worked out there for a summer. In your home course, you grow up, right? Twin Lakes and Winfield, Iowa. You know, those are there, – there's some memories there. You can swing away at a place like that. And uh, so that's definitely – those are definitely my top three in Iowa. That's good. Obviously, Beavers come up on the pod quite a bit, but it's fun to hear about a, a few different places here in Iowa. Um, so, Carlson, what is it that you do now? What's, uh, what, what, um, what's your career, and uh, what do you do for work? So I am at uh, – I'm an assistant principal at Mid Prairie Middle School here. Uh, middle school is located in Kelowna, but Mid Prairie is obviously Kelowna and Wellman, Westchester. Uh, the communities make up Mid Prairie to South Iowa City, so I'm the assistant principal at the middle school building. And how long have you been doing that? Uh, this year will be my third year. Third year will be my sixth or seventh year overall in the district, but third year at the middle school. And you've spent your entire career in education, or what, what's, uh, what has yeah. that been like? Yeah, uh, this will be my 15th year in education coming up this year. 15th, halfway to, halfway to collect the Nipers, right? Uh, and so this will be my 15th year, you know, bounced around a little bit. Uh, been, been the principal at uh, Morning Sun Elementary, Kyoto High School. Uh, did some time teaching at Columbus Junction. So, yeah, uh, about, had a year at Clear Creek Amanda, too, as a girls' golf coach and teaching there. So, yeah, I've been in education for about 15 years now. And uh, my wife teaches at Mid Prairie, so we're pretty seldom in with this district. Even flirted with maybe the idea of being a um, Madrid's principal at one point, right? I did. I can't remember. Did I apply for that job when you were up there? I, I know I, I checked in on it, but I can't remember if I actually sent an application in. I don't know. Probably <laughs> gave you enough words of wisdom not to send over the app on that one. But <laughs> uh, I, I do remember. I do remember that conversation coming up at least once. So. Yep. Absolutely. Well. Well. Good. Obviously, uh, big credit to to you and your wife in, in education. Obviously, uh, um, a position that oftentimes is goes on thanks so uh so we appreciate your guys work and what you're doing and uh also summers off give you an opportunity to get some golf and i guess can't be out an all bad thing either no no try to sneak out you know i, I learned from an old guy uh he used to be the principal at mid he was the principal at mid prairie high school and then went up to laporte city union he's retired now by the name of jim caton and uh he would get up at 5 30 go out and play nine before he'd shower and go and go to work and so uh this especially during pandemic time uh i've been getting up pretty early and getting out and walking nine you know at least once a week if not twice a week and uh before i had to go into the office and jump on meetings and things like that so you got to learn from your elders and and he'd been a principal a long time and so i learned from him how to get my golf in and do my job well with this insight you're you're giving us this insight here and that handicap of yours is going down for future falcons if you're playing at 5 30 in the morning so don't be sandbagging anymore uh, there's no sandbagging that's a legit 14.7 handicap according to according to again right i mean it's legit i had to i got out the email and showed it to you it's 14.7 it's there it's legit more legit than previous years <laughs> Yeah, that was that was definitely one of the things on the last pod is that came up. I said Carlson's gonna sandbag and come in with this handicap that's not accurate. So it's as accurate as it gets. And some of my some of my putting this weekend is Siggy and I can attest to during our little struggles. Uh the, the old flat stick doesn't doesn't heat up very often for me. Well let's just say that let's just say that uh when you're putting with Nate, he has a tendency to lose focus. Uh, and you say aim 10 to 12 inches outside right, and that thing ends up going 24 inches outside right. So he has a tendency to lose focus and maybe doesn't tune in as well as he should on the greens. Nah, I, get, I get antsy on the greens. Let's go, hit, let's go swing hard somewhere. Well, guys, with that, let's transition over to uh, last week in Iowa City and, uh, and how things went. Um, I'll let you guys kind of take it from here, but uh, set the scene a little bit. Where were we at Thursday uh, pulling the town, where are you guys playing? What's the setup look like? And uh, and just walk us through those two days and and everything that kind of came with with the celebration this year. I'll set the scene and then I'll let uh, Carlson kind of take over and give some commentary. But um, we rolled in on on Thursday morning uh, and 
to play 36 at, at Finkbein. Uh, four different uh, nine-hole matches uh, that day. Uh, and then we uh, did what any group of guys would do after they got done playing golf is we, would, we went and drank and ate. And, um, in anticipation of playing more golf uh, the next day, uh, which is, you know, right or wrong, maybe uh, you don't feel the best when you, when you come to play the next day. But uh, then we went to uh, uh, Brown Deer for 27. Again, three different nine-hole matches uh, that next day. So uh, two, I would say, totally different courses. And I, I say that from somebody that had never played either one before we, we played that day. I, I just thought just visually um, two totally different courses, uh, especially when you don't really know until, you know, that second time you get rolling through there. Yeah, it was definitely a great, great few days. A lot of good golf played. Uh, you know, one of the things that I think was a huge, huge game changer this year in our Falcon setup was, was how JD being the MVP. I mean, that, you know, he's, he, he's won some Falcon championships, but never because of what he did. And uh, this year, you can honestly say that, that, that the championship was, was, was there because of him. You guys, you guys saw the stats, your records. You know, uh, if you look at the three of our records, uh, maybe six wins between us. I think six wins between the three of us. And J.D. had six all weekend. He was six and two on the weekend. And, uh, and Stig, you were with me. We had to walk, watch him uh, walk in two 20-footers. And he went to go walk in the third one and had pulled a hammy, you know, just pulled up real quick because he, he knew he was going to miss it at the end. But he definitely gets the MVP, you know, of the weekend going in. He's probably about a he's probably about a 12 handicapper, you know, and, and played like a played like five all weekend. So his flat stick was hot as all get out. So, hey, Lee, just just out of curiosity, I, I, you're going to refresh my memory. But how many holes did we play before you actually won a hole in match play? Well, we completed uh, 19 holes uh, before I won on the 20th hole that I played. Um, I will say, like, when, when I left, um, I didn't feel bad about my golf game. I felt bad about getting off the tee, and that was my struggle the entire time. It was not that I hit every shot bad off the tee. I just couldn't figure out where I was going to miss, and I kept missing left, and I kept missing left. Um, knowing that my miss is generally right. That's a really tough thing to try to try to work with. So um, yeah, those first two matches, I mean, Carlson, you and Sinclair gave Jim and I, I mean, the business, that first nine, um, you know, we were just trying to, we were trying to make pars and, and you guys were, you know, making birdies. It, it was a really difficult nine holes of golf. So yeah, the first, my first two rounds I played, I felt like I was just all over the place. I'm going to jump back to the, the JD comment there. The guy played unbelievable. And I know that Nate and I were paired up against him on Friday morning at Brown Deer. And yeah, he definitely walked in a few putts when they were about five feet away from the hole. Uh, and then he, like you said, a third one where he about two and a half feet out, he had the step and a half in and he pulled up a little lame on that one. But uh, I would definitely say that that guy, uh, has been taking some lessons on the side, and his game has gotten drastically better. Uh, and he, he played really, really good. He, I'll, I'll say that I got paired up against him quite a bit throughout the course of the two days, and I watched him walk in more than just those two putts. Uh, he made a 25-30 footer to beat us uh, on the ninth hole of a match at Finkbine as well. And so definitely a guy that was up there for MVP. I don't think you can leave out Tyler Domino either for the MVP. Those two guys played unbelievable. I mean, Tyler went 4-0 and on day one, and uh, I think he might have went 2-1 and on day two. Uh, and so played really, really good the entire, the entire weekend, and those guys just happened to be on the same team. We talked about how it came down to making putts, uh, and their group definitely made more length of putts in the matches that I played. Uh, and that can, kind of came out to be the outcome. The cool thing about the entire situation, uh, you know, throughout the course of it, you fight, get done with the nine-hole match, you look at the scores, it's usually one team's ahead by one match or you're tied or the other team goes ahead by a match. And that's the way it was back and forth the entire week going into the single side of things, which didn't end up too well for Team Keeney no. and Carlson and I. No, we got bum rush and singles. Going back to TD, you know, TD was 6-0-1 in his match plays and the, the match he pushed was me and, and Seth, Seth Jaden, 
another another guy that lives up in, in Huxley. And Seth's got a higher handicap than me. He might have been the last round pick of our team. And we pushed we pushed TD with him. And we were actually up two holes with three to go. And we ended up picking up on uh, on 16. It was We were all over the place. But then on 17, I had a putt lip out that would have pushed that hole that would have gave us a one hole advantage going into 18. And then TD hit a monster drive as we're all square going into 18. And I hit the best drive I hit all weekend uh, at Brown Deer over the water, over that tree, put us out in front. We chipped on and, and made par. And TD actually hit his drive too well and hit it past the cart path. And they, they were chipping down. But that was TD played so well all weekend. But the worst night he played, I got lucky and played probably my best nine or my second best nine. Uh, of the weekend and and Seth played pretty good too and we were able to kind of grind out a push which for Seth and I that's a victory right we're two two double digit handicappers and TD is a single you know TD is a two or three handicapper and so for us to get a push on that that was that was pretty big and that's in shamble too that was in shamble that wasn't even the best shot you know in shamble you're you're playing your own ball in you know you're not it's not best shot so when you're having to play your own ball in and chip and putt your own ball that that puts a little more stress on us high handicappers. 18 brown deer is a is a good hole to have to end on though if it comes down to that or have to i mean just the way that sets up and the opportunity to go for it or take a chance over the water with that tree that that makes for makes for fun golf yeah it's a huge risk reward right and and guys like guys like lee and steve domino and and td and even trout you know those guys i mean they're it's no problem they're gonna they're gonna hit it you know the line i took I had to hit a ball as well as I did, you know, I mean, it, it, I don't, I don't have a lot of room for air like those guys do. And so, so to get a push, it was, it felt like a victory almost uh, to get a push out of uh, Seth and I against Tyler, you know, I, I guess Tyler did have a partner Miller, uh, but, but Miller's, you know, Miller's down there uh, one of the last few picks too. So, so Tyler, Tyler was bringing him along and Miller put, Miller's got a putter, you know, you'll give him that, but, but yeah, it was definitely kind of a, you know, the the lower seed getting the push definitely was a, was a huge deal. So, or the higher seed, sorry. You know, the, the other thing that happened this weekend, I think, you know, Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed, they, they're they known for how good they are at Ryder Cup. And I was looking forward to seeing them this fall. But I think we found a new Falcon, Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed. In fact, the last nine of the day, uh, the, the pairings were manipulated so they could still ride around together. You know, uh, Lee, would you like to comment on this new pairing, the the Patrick Reed and Jordan Spieth of uh, Operation Falcon? Which, by the way, I'll give you your Jordan Spieth. How about that? I uh, I can live with that. At least he's the least hated of the the two. Um, so it's probably a pretty good uh, a good a good nickname for me in that case. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, I played with JD the nine holes after you and and Jason played him is that correct you guys played in front nine at brown deer yeah that's correct so you guys were telling me like hey he's playing out of his mind he didn't play very well that that nine holes that him and i played together um he just he didn't make any putts i mean that's what i was just expecting like at some point he was going to make a putt and he really didn't um and he would tell you that exact same thing i just happened to make three or four birdies in a shamble um that round so um, that was easily the best I played. And, and yeah, we definitely manipulated the, uh, the last pairing. Uh, that was just cause we just bought this fresh six pack right before, um, that round was going to start. So, I mean, we had to be cooler buddies, um, uh, because we had just purchased the, the drinks together. You, you think only, that's what, uh, I'll go ahead, Jace. Well, I'm just going to say it's only fitting that we bring up Spieth and Reed for that dynamic duo right there. Well, I couldn't. I couldn't think of a more dynamic duo to 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 match up with those two, especially especially the way JD was all weekend. I mean, he was by far the most hated player all weekend on the other team. I mean, just draining pots, knocking stuff stiff. I mean, he was talking, you know, expect to, talking the talk. entire time. Even when we're out to dinner, he is still talking. <laughs> Sounded like Matthew Wolf after that nine hole match he played for charity last Wednesday. Guy wouldn't shut his mouth. <laughs> yeah but jd was just talking smack i mean that's all he did the whole time you know i mean he wasn't it wasn't like friendly conversation like matt wolf was trying to be friendly and funny jd was just talking smack hey he backed it up 
you know. I mean, kudos to him, right? I mean, he, he backed it up all weekend. So, you know, uh, apparently apparently uh, getting lessons from one of the best golf pros in Iowa pays off, right? What did the final end up being? That was my question. So I never did hear what the final score, or how everything shook out. Obviously, um, from what I heard from you guys, it sounded like it maybe it wasn't as close as years past. So what what was the final score? How did how did it end up? Uh, team Domino thirty six, Team Keeney twenty eight. Team Domino was up two going into the singles. Uh, we play match play every every uh, every match is worth two points. So obviously you split it. Everybody gets one, you know the etc. And the singles really came down came down to you know they scored 11 points in singles and we scored five you know I mean that's 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 where it's won every year you know is in singles and uh and they and they just absolutely took it to us you know the funny part is our tiebreakers holes won and team Keeney uh team Keeney won 86 holes to 84 holes over the weekend so so there were some blowouts in there when we did win but we didn't win the matches that mattered and and uh just kind of the way it goes from from time to time so but yeah it was 36-28, and Tyler, Tyler takes the trophy home for 365 days and is required to uh, update the trophy. Uh, now, the question is, Lee, and he wants to ask the, the higher-ups, you know, in, in, in Falcon, maybe get a council meeting together. But now that Domino promised that you're in Falcon for life on the podcast about a month and a half ago, is your name going to get added to the trophy with this victory? Yeah, I don't really care. I'm more concerned about the uh, year prior. Like, whatever happened to, to that winner? Did they decide? I mean, because Carlson, I, you and I were on the same team, and Jason, all three of us. I mean, we were clearly cheated, clearly cheated in that, that last match. Well, uh, as Jason can attest to, uh, so when we had kind of a, a ruling of where when we're playing best ball with JD, we had JD actually go out and get his driver in a couple of tees so we could keep everything within one club length. Uh, in protest of the last 364 days, I've changed my handle on anything that requires a username to one club length. And I've actually nicknamed JD's boat one club length. And so I think the, the request that we had of Ash uh, is when he updated the trophy and put the years behind it, that the asterisk, everybody who got 2019 behind their name, they got an asterisk behind there too. So that, that's only fitting. I mean, you know, an asterisk, if Roger Maris gets an asterisk, I, I think those guys should get one too. That's fair. But yeah, I don't really 20, care. I don't care if I'm on the trophy. I, I just want the invite back. I'll be completely honest. 2019 will forever go down as the year of the asterisk. I mean, that's, and then we lead into 2020 with coronavirus and everything going on. So I think that they, I kind of set this thing up for failure here. And uh, I'm just glad that we were able to have Falcon. Let's talk about, uh, one of the best shots that happened over the weekend. We talk about, we're going, we're sitting there Thursday night talking about the pairings for Friday morning. And uh, those guys were kind of releasing them at a time. And uh, on Thursday, Zach Keeney, and I can't remember if he played with Jeff Sinkler, maybe those guys matched up with two of the bottom guys from team Domino and they took seven of the nine holes from him. So that's kind of where the whole discrepancy began. But then on Thursday night, we're sitting there and team Keeney threw out who we, uh, against the Domino brothers, who we thought in a best shot match would be a team that could potentially, you know, maybe get swept in that match. And let's just say that they were even through two holes, part hole one and got a push. And then hole two, team Domino was on in two, par five dog leg left at Brown Deer. Uh, and our team is 130 yards out and Seth Jaden pulls out for Eagle. And then Tyler Domino pours one in on top of him and they have in threes. I remember looking at the updated spreadsheet and JD and I were standing next to each other, and I'm like, they have hole two with eagles. He's like, no, those are birdies. And I said, no, that's a par five. They both made threes. And so we had to get to the bottom of that in a hurry. So I think shot of the weekend probably goes to Seth Jaden, 130 out, and he drops it in for a little three. Well, that's, that's huge, too, because he's playing with Jared Perkle. And, and we all know Jared, and Jared's got four boys uh, involved in baseball, and Jared's an assistant coach at Waverly Shell Rock. So the only time he picks up a golf club is Falcon every year, right? And so – and Seth, Seth's a high handicapper. So Seth and Jared were like the last two picks on our team, and they're playing the top two picks overall. 
and and they and they tie, they push with an eagle is just absolutely crazy. And I agree with you, Jason. It had to be the shot of the weekend. Probably had to be the whole of the weekend, even though it didn't affect any of the outcome. It's just for those guys to push with eagle is, is a kind of a huge deal. You know, when you start talking ability wise and and how much Jared plays and things like that, it was it was definitely kind of the thing. Of, it was definitely the talk for at least at the turn, right? It was definitely the talk at the turn. One guy's name I haven't heard a whole lot about is Trout. What, what did Trout look like this weekend? What was his deal? Trout was good. He's always I mean, good. Always Trout, good. Trout's really consistent. Uh, I, I, the only time I was paired with him, we played Shamble uh, against Jim Welch and Steve Domino, and we ended up winning one up on the 18th hole uh, in that match, our ninth hole of that match. And uh, Trout's just – you know, he's going to be there. He's going to hit good shots. He's going to be solid. He's going to make putts. Uh, you know, a lot of times maybe we don't provide the help that he needs in some of those groups he's paired with. He, he was 5-2 and two on the weekend. You know, I mean, as the, as the first-round draft pick, you know, I mean, I mean, he was 5-2 and two on the weekend. That's all you can ask of your first-round draft pick. I mean, if you look at Zach, Zach's first-round draft pick was, was Trout, and he was 5-2, and two, and, and TD's first-round draft pick uh, was his brother, you know, Steve. And and he was three three and one right and so so if you look I mean it's obviously that first round winner goes to uh, goes to Keeney but at the end of the day Tyler took the the trophy home so that, that's all that matters too and you know Steve beat Trout head up you know in singles and and that's always the match of the match of the weekend everybody wants to know how those two do against each other and and Steve Steve I think shot one under against him did he I believe so. The moral of the story is it came down to the middle guys and Carlson and I didn't pull our weight uh, as well as Josh Peterson. Us three kind of picked in the middle. We all struggled and uh, I'm not even going to talk about what my record was because it doesn't need to be discussed on the podcast. So I think I was one, five and two. I think I lost three matches on the ninth hole. So I'm, I guess I'm a front runner, not a closer. One, four and two, but I mean, there you go. Thanks, man. Oh, there you go. Thanks. You're welcome. That would explain even, even your better. fascination with Tony Finau that you like to get out early and fade late. Shots fired. <laughs> we'll get to that. So one one of the things that I saw you guys sending over some pictures, course looked uh courses seem to be in good shape. I know you touched on them a little bit at the beginning there, Lee, but uh overall what'd you guys think um of the two courses uh, as far as condition, time of the year? Obviously always kind of about the same for you guys at Falcon and I know you've been in Iowa City before, but uh this will segue a little bit into our next topic. But uh how was the course set up? What'd you guys think? How uh, um they handle your guys' big groups, were they accommodating and, and all that? Thinkbine was definitely accommodating, and it was in great shape. Uh, obviously, some of the rough was a little dry, and so if you got a little wayward with your tee shot, man, it could bounce and go. Uh, but the greens were in great shape. The fairways in good shape. Uh, brown deer. Brown deer just gives so much play. I mean, they they were booked with foursome after foursome after foursome all the time. And, and obviously, living in the area, anytime you go up, it's booked up tight. So, so the, greens were, the greens were rolled nice. Uh, but they were definitely a little bit more beat up than Think Vine. There, there's no doubt about that. But part of that is just how much play they get. It was, it was absolutely, it was a ton of play. My biggest yeah, takeaway, my biggest takeaway, sorry, Jason, was how much different they operated. You know, Think Vine, when you walk in, you had to wear a mask. Brown Deer, you didn't. But then Brown Deer had a, like a plastic sheet in the cart in between the two seats you know, that Finkbine didn't have, you know, like, um, Finkbine, um, could we, did we, what was in the, in the holes at Finkbine? Was it like that metal insert? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but those are a little easier to take the pin out of, you know, than the styrofoam in there, you know, like it was just so much different, you know, two courses that are basically right next to each other, just how much different they handled you know, those different situations. Yeah, I, I would say both courses were accommodating. Brown Deer had so many people out there that our transition in between switching up teams after nine holes, uh, you know, we had to try to make a little bit quicker. Or they, you know, wanted us to play a little bit quicker, which we caught up to the groups right in front of us because we were playing best shot a lot of times or a shamble. And so we caught up. But 
Fink Line's under a little bit new eye, uh, a different superintendent, and the course is in really, really good shape. Uh, but you get wayward at Finkbine and it punishes you. So you had to hit good shots there. Whereas at Brown Deer, you know, the front nine's pretty wide open and you could spray it around a little yard a little bit. And like those guys said, Brown Deer just gets so much plays at the green that the greens are definitely a little bit more beat up, but they rolled good. Uh, I'd say both courses were accommodating for everything going on. And uh, it was a good over experience overall, of course, both courses, I'd say. But Brown Deer was out shandy. I mean, there, there was no Shandy all, all day Friday at Brown Deer, and, and that, that kind of put a damper, uh, but, but we accommodated. You know, we accommodated. We, uh, we, we took that, that hurdle, and we're, we were able to overcome it all day Friday. Any, any, uh, any White Claws going, Lee, or what was the deal on uh, <laughs> Did they have more than that? Duh. <laughs> uh, well, they had some left when we got done. I can tell you that. That was a little difference uh between them and the uh the nasty but it was a, a bud light seltzer that was flowing uh specifically at brown deer that was definitely the drink of choice uh, at least for uh, anybody that was in a cart of mine all day uh, so, for, so for the falcon patrick reed he was, he was full of bud light seltzers all day I don't think he stopped drinking them all, all the whole course of the two days. I I can't argue with that. I I can't say I've probably much different than than that. I know you guys mentioned it, but uh, get some good grub. Where'd you guys end up eating? We went to Thirty Hop. We stayed at the Marriott in Coralville, so we walked up to uh, to Thirty Hop and. Had to sit at a couple different tables. That's another place. Had to wear a mask in, but as soon as you sat down, you were good. Um, we got to sit up on the roof, so that was kind of nice and, you know, just fun. And it got to the point where one table turned – or two tables turned into one gigantic circle of chairs. Like, nobody used the tables. They just sat – I mean, it, seriously, like, it looked like we were sitting around a fire uh, up there. So, we kind of took over that spot once people were getting out of there. So, it was uh, it's different food. Obviously, I mean, that place is a little bit, uh, I'll use the term hipstery, you know, like the drinks and the food are like, maybe not us, but it was still fun. I mean, it was, it was a good time. It's all about just getting around and, and hanging out and, you know, telling stories. And, and like I said, that's kind of where JD just continued the smack talking the entire time. No, that's good. That's uh, obviously the whole goal is it's fun to play golf. It's uh, fun to get an opportunity to get together and uh, um, tell stories and have some fun um, with that. So we're talking about the Iowa City area. We're talking about the courses. Just real quick, obviously, Carlson, you probably have a little bit more insight than any of um, the, the three of us. I did, I did do, a, a, what, about a nine-month stint in Iowa City, North Liberty area. So um, pretty familiar, but Power rank the courses um, real quick in that in that area. If you can keep it, if you can keep it to around five, um, that would be ideal. But uh, we, we'll we'll hear them all. What what do you got as far as courses in your power ranking around Iowa City? Well, you know, I, I think the first course you got to start with is uh, Blue Top Ridge over at Riverside Casino. You know, I mean, they keep that place tight all the time. You know, they I live in Washington County, so I get a pretty good deal. It's like ten miles from my house, so. I think any time you're going to talk about playing golf in the Iowa City area, Blue Top Ridge has got to be right up there. You know, it's it's definitely it's got it's got five six different tees to play from. You know, I mean, I think it's a pretty fair course, and it's just it's one of the one of the the best in the state, obviously, as well as the area. You know, we kind of we kind of touched on Brown Deer and Fake Vine, uh, but I think one of the, the 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 most playable courses in the area is Pleasant Valley. Uh, it's on the south side of Iowa City. Uh, you know, there, there's not a lot of trouble there. Uh, their prices are pretty good. You know, if that's a factor for you, uh, but, and their greens are always in great shape, you know? And so plus they, they do a really nice job. It, it's kind of a mom and pop operation out there. Uh, but they do a really nice job on the South side of Iowa city. And then obviously living in Kelowna, uh, have a lot of pride in, in my own golf course that I play at every Wednesday. Uh, our superintendent was nine hole superintendent of the year uh in in Kelowna so he does a great job our greens are always great he always has our greens going and he's got some limited water on the fairways and things like that but he does a good job of keeping it up and then a, a sneaky sneaky nice one is at, is Williamsburg 
Williamsburg is a nine hole course, but it's got bent grass fairways. Uh, it's always in dynamite shape. And so when you start talking about the Iowa city area, I think I, that's six, by the way, sorry, sorry, Brian, but, uh, but, but definitely those are six top, top courses, uh, definitely in the area. Now, the Williamsburg one is either come up on the pod or I know we've had some listeners send that our way as one of their favorite nine hole courses. Um, so I've heard, I've heard some good things about that. Um, Pleasant Valley, we've talked about that one. That one is the the golf cart in the pond. Uh, so that's been uh, that's been heavily discussed on the pod as well. Um, does does Amana count as Iowa City area? Where does that one fall? Yeah, I could definitely get it up there. I tell you what. So I was the golf coach at uh, girls golf coach at Clear Amana for a year. The year I taught there, and so I played Amana all the time. That was one of the perks, right? I got to play Amana all the time. But I mean, as a if you don't play it a lot that gets tight and, it, and you better have a bag full of balls because you're not finding them in there. I mean, you're not finding them in there. You're not going in there. And so it's definitely it, for, for the 14.7 handicapper that I am, it's sometimes it's not, depending on the ball that day, it's not always the most fun place to play. It's very visually intimidating. I would yeah. say, you know, especially, you know, I, I kind of went through it this, this weekend with playing courses you haven't played in, Carlson brought it up. I mean, if you haven't played, it was kind of like when I played Coldwater in Ames a couple of weeks ago. When you don't know exactly where you're going or what you should be doing, you look, and those fairways look like they're about two most strips wide. And how in the world can you even hit that fairway? So it's it's very visually intimidating. A man is, but it is really nice. It's just up and down and up and down. Yeah, it's tough, but it's nice. And Stegi, we talked a little bit about it. I can't remember if it was on the pot or not, but uh, it's saddle, Saddleback, right, in Solon. Um, yep. Of course, where it's always windy no matter what. Um, that's a nice – that's a little – that's a sneaky course kind of in the middle of nowhere as well. Yeah, I've heard good things about the course. I actually haven't had a chance to play it. Uh, it was actually discussed about being an option for Friday for us based off of kind of brown deer and the amount of play they have and – uh, you know, the, the cart dividers that they had, we weren't all digging that right away, but I uh, obviously decided to go with Browner. I, I just, I think there's a lot of good golf in there. You know, I haven't been able to play a number of the courses in the surrounding area. I haven't been at uh, Amana. I haven't been at Saddleback. Uh, I haven't been at some of the other courses, but when we were talking about it, I definitely think Blue Top's got to be up there, Finkbine, and, and then Williamsburg. I mean, that's one that I love when the opportunity came that I had a chance to play that as well. And it's funny, I, I kind of chuckled there when you said there's not much there's not much trouble out at Pleasant Valley because I just thought a car, whole 17 pond, that, that's a big old trouble spot for the podcast here. So, uh, but definitely some good courses and some that I would like to get on here, uh, which would bump up my total number for the state. Up in, I might get up in the 60s range then soon. What's the, um, uh, Carlson, you have to help me out. What's the one in North Liberty? Is it Quail? Quail Creek. Quail Creek, Quail Creek. nine-hole course there. I, I've been out on that one. I don't think I counted that in mine now that I think about Staggy. Um, that's an interesting little little place up there, too. I haven't played it in years. You know, it's been – I bet it's been 10 to 15 years since I even played at Quail Creek. I think the last time we played there, we played a Falcon there. Uh, maybe the last time it was in Iowa City. And I think they asked us to leave after 18. Uh, I We were – you know, we were in our 20s. Uh, but – but I don't think it was a good experience for all of us, uh, the golf course included, if I remember correctly. So, uh, but yeah, I think, I think, I think Falcon, you know, 10 to 12 years ago is the last time I was on Quail Creek. Falcon might be banned from that course. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first, probably won't be the last either. Well, I feel like uh, Falcon in your mid twenties is a little bit different than Falcon in your mid thirties. I'd have to guess. There, that is for sure. There's no doubt about that one. Well, perfect, guys. No, that's good. It uh, it sounds like it was an absolute blast. It sounded like uh, uh, the course was in great shape for you guys. Hospitality was there. Um, weather was perfect, and so uh, all in all, sounds like uh, sounds like a pretty successful week. Well, Jason and I aren't getting our names added to the trophy, but maybe, just maybe, we'll get Lee on the trophy and and, and get his name added on there. We'll see.
Well, it sounds like you've already held on to the trophy longer than uh, these guys held on to their three-man trophy up in Northwood. So uh, that's, that's already a win right there, too. That one's still missing. <laughs> if anybody knows where that's at, I, I really don't want to be that guy. But can somebody please return that trophy? Please. So if you, if you see the three-man car quest trophy in Northwood, uh, take, it, take it to the, the golf course. Lee appreciates it. This two-putt podcast is brought to you by WB Realty, Central Iowa's best real estate brokerage. WB Realty, for all your real estate needs. All right, so this past weekend up in Minnesota was the 3M Open. Um, had about maybe as much fireworks as you guys had at Operation Falcon. Um, the play and maybe the lineup was about as um, – comparable uh at times there it uh, felt a little bit more like a corn ferry event than it did an actual pga um event however it was i enjoyed it i got to watch quite a bit um down the stretch on on sunday and obviously uh michael thompson with the win and and honestly watching him play and what he was able to do on sunday never the way he was playing on sunday never really a doubt i guess from from my mind as far as that um, I just didn't – the course just didn't really set up as an opportunity. He was going to have to make mistakes, and he was he was grinding. And so uh, it didn't seem like that was going to happen. So congrats to him. Uh, what about you guys? Did you get an opportunity to um, – obviously, some of you were back. Staggy's been prepping for the move, but I think you got to watch a little bit. What, what were you guys' takeaway from uh, up in Minnesota this past week? I think it all came down to, to making putts. I mean, I'm sure we'll touch on – Finau, I mean, he had good shots. He just stopped making putts that he had made the first few days. And and I think that really made him uncomfortable over some putts. And those announcers kept talking about it, how he never felt like – or never looked like he was getting his putter set before he was going. So I'm sure that was just something in his mind where he just felt like he had to make every putt. And, and I, that probably comes down to the fact that he was clearly the, the best player uh, left and you know it's funny because he hasn't won that much he's won what one time on tour and it's been a really long time since he's won and then you're all of a sudden you're the favorite I mean guys like that probably aren't used to being you know the the chased on a Sunday and I mean that it doesn't take much for you know a couple shots to go not your way and then you know you're now trying to chase somebody else you know I think it was you look at it, kind of a ho-hum course, kind of a ho-hum field. I did see that round one, there was more balls hitting the water uh, this last week at TPC Twin Cities than there has been in any round on tour uh, this year. So obviously a little bit of a challenge for the guys, but again, you didn't have the top players in the world there for the most part. And Finau was the odds-on favorite uh, coming in and obviously a guy that a lot of people were picking on. And, uh, you know, he's putting himself in position if the tournament was three, three rounds he'd be damn good uh but unfortunately that fourth round just hasn't fared too well for him uh you know it's, it's good to see a guy like michael thompson a guy that has won on tour before a guy that uh you know you, you hear about his background and himself calling a penalty on himself at the masters back uh, a number of years ago uh and then eventually missing the cut and a guy like that who the integrity of the game he holds up uh, you know, it's good to see a guy like that win again. And, you know, his, I think his interview after the round was pretty telling as well. I didn't get to watch a lot of the golf, but I did get a chance to see that. And, you, you know, you cheer for a guy like that that uh, obviously pours everything into it. So good to see, good for him that he was able to, to hold off some of those other guys. And uh, I'm not going to say that I was cheering for him because for our followers of the pod, Max Homa out there is a little sleeper pick, had his chances at eight and a half feet for birdie on 17 to pull into a tie for the lead and then had the par five 18th afterwards. But uh, obviously, you know, can't go wrong with cheering for a guy like Michael Thompson either. I, I will say one thing uh, in regards to that interview, they asked him, it, it's been over 2000 some days since he, um, since he had won uh, on tour. And the first question, uh, something in regards to the, 
the last time that he won, he was a family of two, and now he's a family of four or something like that was the question. And uh, I told my wife, Colleen, I'm like, I can relate to that. I feel like the last time I golfed, we were a family of four, and now next time we're going to be a family of six when I get a chance to get out. But uh, so I, I definitely, I definitely re- related to that to that story. I was like, yeah, I, I know the feeling. Um, I'm right there with you. But yeah, good story, fun story. Um, obviously, a few, a few headlines, a few things coming down the stretch with that. Um, we got to talk about your boy, Staggy and Tony Finau and his Sunday fade. But we also got to talk about friend of the pod, Max Homa, and he had an opportunity playing well um, down the stretch and uh, missed that putt on 17 and then a wayward tee shot on, on 18. Otherwise, might have been right there and had put himself in the chase. We'll touch on the Tony Finau thing. I, kudos to him. He keeps putting himself into position to be in one of the final groups. or He's right there. You know, I think he is too talented to not break through with his second win. There's this whole thing called like the Puerto Rico curse because he won the Puerto Rico open and there's a couple of guys that have, and then they've never won again on tour. I think Vic Hovland, I know he's really, really young, so that'll change, but he won the Puerto Rico open. So Fino has got that riding on him. And I know that they, they showed a stat too, where he's been in the top 10, like 30 times since the last time, since he won. Uh, so he's putting himself into position. I think he's too talented to, to not come through who's here soon. And then Max Holm, a friend of the pod. I mean, the guy played well. I think we were just touching on it a little bit here a little, a little while ago. He shot one over in round two. And you finish two or three back of the, the lead, and you had a chance on 17 and 18 to put yourself into position, maybe the clubhouse leader at that time. Uh, you know, you can't have a round like that to, to win a golf tournament too. But he had himself playing some pretty darn good golf, and I think he's going to be a popular pick for some guys that are looking for a sleeper uh, down the line in some of these some of these other tournaments potentially. Yeah, one of the other things uh, you talked about it. It's hard for Finau because he has given himself an opportunity, so it, it almost to his discredit exposes him a little bit because he he misses the cut and okay nobody really talks about him like obviously he's right there he's competing so you got to give him credit for that um I mean DJ is a perfect example uh DJ comes out and just (laughs) just cuts up and then WD's on him said back injury which obviously I mean he just won you know a month ago so there's got to be something going on um but uh that was that was ridiculous hopefully he can he can come is he if you, did you guys see him is he in the field for this weekend yeah, yeah i'm pretty sure he is okay um so i i mean i wouldn't be surprised if he would take the week off and uh, and get ready for the pga but um one of the inter- other interesting stories that i never heard nobody ever talked about or said anything with the f- the fact that uh chase chase kepka um finished higher than than uh brother brooks did you guys get a chance to see anything of that all I know is he shot 63 on Sunday, and that's a pretty good round. Um, I mean, that obviously is going to make you um, finish a little bit better than you probably thought going into that round. So um, I, I know he missed the cut the week before, whenever the last time he was that he played. So um, he's probably one of those guys that is going to be a lot more up and down than – a lot of the guys that you'll see maybe in contention each week, just because that's a pretty volatile golf game, you know, to, to not hear about somebody, then they fire a 63 in the, the final round. I mean, that's pretty volatile. Well, he, and he qualified, he did the Monday qualifier for which tournament was that, that they, that his brother ended up having to withdraw from and he was, and he did too. Yeah. yeah he, he, Travelers. He was, that, yeah, he that also went through. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's good to see him out there and obviously firing some numbers and you know see what he's able to do and um, maybe push his brother a little bit. But what's the deal with Brooks? I mean, I know that we're still kind of leaning a little bit on some injury, but we need to see. I mean, we have a major coming up. Got to turn turn this thing around. Didn't Brooks say something about I might as well just essentially win everything? here moving forward I mean he made some comment about that and his game hasn't necessarily backed it up I have been on Brooks side the last two weeks and he has played poorly I too talented to not turn it around but 
got to be somebody that you're fading moving forward, probably. Except you get really good value with him now that he hasn't played very well. I mean, he's right. not like he's that far um, from being one of the best players in the world. I mean, he still is. He just hasn't played very well lately. But from a betting standpoint, there's a lot of value now with Brooks because he hasn't played very well lately. I think that's pretty funny with golf because when you start looking at the next tournament, you know, who played well in the last one and their odds go down and who's played poorly for two weeks in a row. And you got guys like Kepka that have, and uh, you know, Finau, uh, obviously his number has gone down everywhere because of how well he's played. But then you got Brooks who's jumping up into a position where you're looking at him like a 35 to one to win this week. And I know there's a ton of good players, uh, but he's one of those good players. So his number definitely gets better from a value standpoint. One of the other things, too, that I know it's hard, but with the, the COVID and the no fans, we talked about the course and how that course is one that makes its way on tour because of its ability to host. It's hosted several Champions Tour events. Obviously, we talked about it. This was the second year for the 3M up there. One of the things that would have been really neat to see happen with this no fans is to have them go to these courses that obviously infrastructure is not able to be able to hold a gallery and play some neat courses. I mean, that's something up in Minnesota. We talk about Minnesota courses and golf on here a lot. It'd be really cool to see those guys go up and play a course that they wouldn't normally be able to play because it can't hold the gallery and, and see some different courses specifically up in Minnesota. It's just tough. Cause it takes so long for them to get courses ready for, for pros I mean you you see them shutting that thing down for a, a couple months maybe in order to get ready for something and when you only have a couple months to to kind of change the schedule a little bit I mean I think it's probably just short term a lot easier just to keep it at the same places regardless if there's fans there or not but I agree I mean there's there's a lot of fun golf courses up there um, that would look pretty appealing on TV but again I think it's probably just logistically too difficult to try to change too much with with those tournaments um one other question then i'll pose to all three of you guys we talked a little bit before about it but going back to tony fee now um and staggy's boy obviously let's uh who who's gonna who's gonna win next uh tony fee now or jordan speed fee now don't ask again agreed fee now I think it's unanimous. It's going to be fee now. You know, I'm not a Jordan hater like everybody else is. Uh, but, man, Duke can't find his game right now. You know, he he just can't. And I think Tony's got a much better chance to get hot and, and win a weekend. I think Jordan's room for error is a lot less than it was a hand, you know, three to five years ago. Uh, you got so many good players. And there was that many years ago, too. But you know, with the way those guys hit it and how far they hit it, Jordan, you know, they're hitting different clubs into those greens. And I know that we're talking about the elite players in the world, but I just think that Finau is a better, in better position to win before speed. He's definitely put himself uh, there time and time again here over the last, well, specifically since the return to golf, but uh, even in the last couple of years, as opposed to um, Jordan, uh, you know, he's come out and we've seen one or two good rounds out of him and that's really been it. And so, uh, I would agree that Finau is probably closer. I just, he hasn't, he has not shown me how to close. And I obviously been pretty vocal on the pod, especially giving you a hard time, Staggy, that, uh, Finau needs to, needs to get over the hump and, and maybe it, uh, and maybe it, it is, uh, yeah, we'll be here sooner than later and that, that'll be gone. The monkey will be off his back. Hey everyone, we have our first major of the year coming up August 6th through the 8th and to celebrate we are having an open invite to all of our friends and fans to come on the pod and join us for a snake draft. Uh, this draft will be Tuesday night the 4th at 8.30. Uh, we do everything through Zoom so if you can jump on a Zoom call with us, it uh, should take 15 maybe 20 minutes at the most and we're going to go through we're going to select two players for the PGA Championship and the winner is going to get a nice swag bag from all of us here at Two Putt. If you're interested in joining us, send us a message, any of us, uh, or send a DM on any of our social media platforms. We look forward to having you join us and being part of the show. This is the Two Putt Pod. Whose Career, presented by Mormon Clothiers. 
Mormon Clothiers is a locally owned men's and women's clothing store with locations in Ames and Mason City. They carry everything from shorts and t-shirts to suits and tuxes. For you golfers and golf fans, Mormon Clothiers carries many brands such as Peter Millar, Mizzen and Main, Link Soul, and much more. During their current sale, all spring and summer items are automatically discounted 25%. It would be a perfect time to upgrade your golf wardrobe. Head to one of their two locations or check them out at www.mormonclothiers.com. All right, taking a look at whose career tonight. Um, poor job. Maybe it was the unanimous decision on the last one, but I don't even think we floated out um, last week's yet. So we'll have, to, we'll have to do that like right now or after this, uh, after our recording and figure out who our winner is, which is totally fine. We'll just delay it and uh, get to our two guys tonight. But uh, um, I'll, be, I'll be surprised if we have a unanimous decision tonight. The two guys um, kicking it back, a couple champions tour guys now. Um, the guys we have uh, put up against each other tonight are Fuzzy. Fuzzy Zeller with his 19 pro wins, 10 on the PGA Tour. He's got a Masters and a U.S. Open. Um, and he's going up against Bernard Longer with his 116 pro wins, three of which are on the PGA Tour, 41 on the Champions Tour. But he does have two of Staggy's favorite majors, the Masters. So we have two majors for both these guys. Um, remind me, guys, we usually go guest Lee Jason, right, on uh, whose career are we taking? So Carlson starts off. Whose career out of these two guys are you going to take? I'm definitely taking Bernard. Uh, the, the two masters, you know, the, the more pro wins equals more pro money, right? Uh, that's definitely a huge thing. And, and obviously, you know, when you think of Fuzzy, you kind of forget about his, his, uh, his major wins. And you think about the comment he made about Tiger back, back in the 97, right? Nobody wants to be known for that. But one thing that's left off about Bernard, he's got a great Ryder Cup career great like him and Colin are one of the top pairings all time in Ryder Cup and so you throw in two Masters championships uh with 116 wins the the, the Ryder Cup success you know I, I I think it's a no doubter in my mind Tiger hater out for me there's no possible chance you could put Fuzzy Zeller against Nate Carlson I'm gonna pick Nate Carlson's career over that guy so there's no possible way. Plus, Bernhard Longer, that guy still can compete on the PGA Tour. You know, like, it, we're not just talking champions. I mean, he can still go out. I mean, his golf swing looks no different than it ever has. Um, ton of game. And, again, not flashy. I mean, I think that's the thing with him. Like, you notice he's there if you know he's there. But that guy, it just – plays good golf and will continue to play good golf for a long time. So, yeah, I, I don't need to know much more about the career except one uh, outwardly uh, hated Tiger. Um, I know he probably tried to walk back on those comments, but no possible way I could ever pick that guy, no matter who the other person is. I've put a lot of emphasis on PGA Tour wins as well in comparison to overall professional wins. But I think when you have this big discrepancy, I'm throwing it out the window. And you said two major or two masters. Love me the masters. Love me two titles there. Give me Bernard Longer. And, I mean, the Tiger thing goes without saying. Like, he was, you know, making comments about the best player in the world and, uh, you know, not correct comments. Uh, and so his stance on that was wrong, and I uh, can't go can't go against can't go against uh, Bernard in this situation. So give me longer, baby. Interesting. No, I uh, honestly I I forgot about the comments uh, that he made uh, towards Tiger. Um, obviously, yeah, he tried to walk him back, and supposedly they're friends and all that stuff now. Um, but, you know, so Fuzzy, obviously with both these guys coming through Des Moines here uh, quite often and, and playing at the Principal Charity Classic, it's so interesting to watch the different – I mean, these guys couldn't be more different. I guess that's a big reason why I put these two up against each other because Fuzzy's got a big following. He's always got – he's got his vodka. He's got those people that are out that just look like um, – well, Fuzzy himself looks like he just stepped – off the boat or is going to go jump on um, Sailorville as soon as he gets done with his round. It's just kind of the kind of way in which that he looks. And 
the thing with him um, that probably drives me the most nuts, though, is, I mean, in the Principal Charity Classic, he is either last or damn near last every time he comes to Des Moines, and he just cannot compete. Like, I'm like, what is this guy doing? But he still thinks he's the man when he, when he shows up. Um, meanwhile, uh, Bernard, we, I think we talked about it on the pod. I took my daughter to an event there and, um, he's over pounding driver on the range, uh, the entire time this little kid's event is going on. Um, just working on his game, just driver after driver after driver. And obviously it shows, I mean, the guy is an absolute physical specimen, still winning, still competing, um, which is shows in his net worth. Obviously, that's my big thing too. Fuzzy's got a, a valuation of ten million to Bernard's twenty-five. So I lied. This is a, a unanimous decision. Again, we're we're all going Bernard and and being able to continue to not only play but compete um, and make some more money doing something that he loves. So love it. Uh, Whose career um, tonight? We're going Bernard with the with the runaway. We'll actually get this one out in a timely manner too. We want to hear what you guys what you guys had to say. And um, again, got to give a big shout out uh, to our to our sponsor on this. Um, you guys didn't get a chance. You don't get to wear your polos this weekend. She had team polos, right? Right. Didn't no didn't even get a right. I mean, they're so nice. You could have worn them to dinner and done all that. But uh, I'm sure I'm sure you guys were just trying to chill by that point. Can't be spilling on the shirt, you know. Like I'm not wearing that thing to dinner, unless I'm eating a cracker. That's it. Too nice. No, Mormon. Mormon taking care of us. We we definitely appreciate it and uh, looking out for us on 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 whose career. So hey, that's gonna wrap up for this episode. Obviously, flip over. We have line your pockets. We're gonna talk uh, about a way in which that you can hopefully earn some money here this weekend. So the two putt pod. Mm-hmm.